Well, hello, welcome to Thorn Creek Church. My name's Jeremy Lyon. In case you don't know who I am, I'm our infrastructure pastor here. Welcome to those of you online. I'm so excited that you're here watching with us today, attending church. Um, I'm here because Pastor Ruben is sick. Uh, maybe you saw our email uh, and if you didn't see our email, I want to encourage you to give us your email so that you'll get communications from us. Uh, but Pastor Ruben uh, has been diagnosed with shingles, and it got kind of serious, and so he had to go to the hospital. And he's doing well. Pastor Nick and myself, we went and actually saw him on Friday. He's in high spirits. He's joking around. He's normal Pastor Ruben. Um, but he's going to need some time to recover. So you get me tonight and, uh, and this weekend. So that's great. I'm excited for this message. And Pastor Ruben is going to send out an all-church email this next week. Uh, so again, if we don't have your email address, let us know. Go to thorncreek.church slash connect. You can fill out that form, give us your name and your email address, and then that way you'll get our communications and you'll hear uh, from Pastor Ruben this week. Now, I'm really excited about this message. It was kind of a whirlwind for me. I found out Wednesday morning that I would be doing this. Uh, normally, I have at least a week, sometimes more than a couple weeks to prepare for a message because I'm not always up here preaching, but uh, the Lord has moved in a really amazing way in my heart, and so I'm really excited about this message. So let's pray, and then we will jump into Mark chapter 9. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your grace. God, we, uh, I'm, we're just blown away, God, by how much you love us, by how much you love us, God. God, we lift up Pastor Reuben to you right now, and God, just ask that you would heal his body. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, use the doctors and the nurses and medication and all that kind of stuff. But I also pray, Lord, that you would just do a miraculous healing. I pray that, that the doctors and nurses would, would be astounded by how quickly Pastor Reuben uh, rec uh, recovers. And I pray he recovers completely and that there are no lasting issues, God. We just lift him up to you. We, we trust in you completely uh, that you will heal him, God. And we just, we give him to you. God, we also, uh, we also pray, God, it's just heavy on my heart, uh, this uh, war over in the Ukraine. God, I pray that you would move in Putin's heart. I pray that you would change him. I pray that you would have him withdraw his troops, God. I pray that there would be an end to the bloodshed and, and to the fighting, God. I pray that you would give wisdom and insight and courage and strength to our leaders, God. I, I know it's a delicate situation, God. I know there's a lot on the line, and I pray that dis diplomacy would win out. God, I pray, that, I pray that just all of this fighting would be ended, God. And I know that you can do it. I know that there's nothing that you can't do, God. We just sang it, God. So have your way. God, have your way in this place as well, God. Use me. Speak through me, God. Uh, I pray uh, that you just, just set me aside, really, God. Just let your words come out of my mouth tonight in this place. And I pray, God, that you would just speak to each and every one of us. We open our hearts to you. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for being here, and we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. 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 All right, so turn to someone and tell them it's not worth it. Turn to someone and tell them it's not worth it. 
It's not worth it at all, all right? We're in this series, The Gospel of Mark, and we've been going through the book of Mark, and we're going through each chapter. Now, we're not going verse by verse because that would take a very long time for us to do, um, but we're going through each week, we're going through a chapter, and so we're, we're picking something out of that chapter uh, and, and talking about it. And, and today, we're in chapter 9, and we're looking at this portion, this, this time when Jesus sits down and he starts teaching his disciples, and he kind of teaches them something that's kind of out there a little bit, right? Kind of, kind of controversial. In fact, uh, today's message title is called Hell, It's Not Worth It, right? And other, other sermon titles that we, you know, we could toss around is like sermons you don't hear in church, right? Uh, or stuff that Jesus says that doesn't make sense, right? We've got that. Or, or, or did Jesus just say that? Did Jesus just say that? Or, or scary verses in the Bible, right? Because we're going to be looking at and talking about hell, and, and as Pastor Nick likes to say, he says H-E double toothpicks, but I'm like, we're not talking about hell. We're talking about hell, H-E double hockey sticks, right? Like it's all capital, right? We're talking about the serious place, right? So we're going to see this in Mark chapter nine. We're going to start at verse 43. And he says, this is Jesus talking. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. And then we go to verse 45, which is weird because we were just in verse 43, right? But it depends on what translation you're reading. Uh, some early transcripts, uh, manuscripts of the Bible didn't have verse 44 and 46. They're the same as verse 48. So depending on the translation you're reading, you may skip from 43 to 45. And that's what's happening here. So continuing on in verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. And verse 48, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Jesus is talking about hell. It doesn't sound like a really good place. There's maggots. They don't die. The fire never stops. It's not a place that we want to be. And in fact, Jesus makes it very clear that hell is real. Right? The Bible makes it very clear that the hell is is real. Now, I found this Pew Research study from 2014. I found it interesting. They surveyed about 35,000 adults, and only 58% of those adults believe in hell. Now, what's even more interesting about this is of those 35,000 people, 70% consider themselves to be Christian. So we have this like disparaging number, this 12% of Christians that don't believe in hell. Right? And I'm like, well, why, why is that? Why do we have this? And I think you know, we run the risk of, of not talking about the sensitive subjects or the things that make us uncomfortable, right? But Thorn Creek, at Thorn Creek, we, we believe we, we are responsible for preaching the entire counsel of God, the entire word. So, so the things that make us uncomfortable, we got to talk about them, right? The things that we don't like to hear, we got to talk about them, right? Because it's in, in God's word. And if it's in God's word, it's for us and it's important. So we want to talk about them. And, and I, I would, gosh, I, it would be the worst thing uh, to know that we have people who attend our, our church, who listen to our teaching, and they don't believe what the Bible says. So I want to point out to you that, that the Bible clearly states that there is a hell. It's a real physical place, and it's a place that people go if their faith is not in Jesus Christ. Now, this word hell 
in these verses that's translated to hell in Mark 9, verse 43. It's a Greek word, Gehenna. And Gehenna is, uh, comes from this Hebrew name for this place called the Valley of Hinnom. This is a real valley. It's just south of Jerusalem. And in fact, in, in Jesus' time, this area was a dump. It was the garbage dump, right? And prior to this, back in the Old Testament times, the ancient Israelites actually worshipped foreign gods there, the, the god of, uh, called Molech. And they would, they would send their kids through the fire of Molech. They would have human sacrifice. They would sacrifice their kids into this fire in this valley. Right? So Jesus is using this, this term and, and pointing to this dump to, to kind of really represent what hell looks like. And see, then what happened is King Josiah, he recognized, like, we're not supposed to be worshiping foreign gods. So he turned it into the dump. And, and the, that's where they started dumping all their trash and their refuse and dead bodies, animal carcasses, criminals would be thrown there. And there would be like this constant fire going on all the time. It's just smoldering and burning. And there are worms and maggots and all kinds. It is not not a place you want to go visit. It is disgusting. It just points to death. And so Jesus uses this, 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 this view, this understanding of this place that has smoldering fires and festering worms to, to paint this graphic picture of what hell looks like. But hell is also called the lake of fire in Revelation. We see it in chapter 20. It says, the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is a place prepared for, devil, for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25 tells us, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you. You cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. It's a place for unbelievers of all sorts. Revelation 21 says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Hell is real. Jesus even says there's this fire that will never go out. Uh, John Trapp, who's a, who's a theologian, he said it like this. He said, a child with a spoon may sooner empty the sea than the damned accomplish their misery. A river of brimstone is not consumed by burning. Hell is real. Isn't that exciting? Are you, are you expecting like the fire and brimstone message tonight, right? Like we're going to talk about like turn or burn, baby, right? No, that's not what I'm doing. But I want to talk about the reality of hell, right? Because if, if hell doesn't exist, then it really doesn't, the salvation of Jesus Christ really doesn't matter much, right? If, the, if there is no negative, if there is no, no, no place of desolation, this, this place where we, we go apart from Christ, where there's maggots and there's burning, if that doesn't exist, then, then the other doesn't really matter, right? And the Bible is very clear that there is a hell, that it's a real place. And that's, that's why, like, I'm here, why I'm up here, because I believe that there's a hell, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't give my life to God in ministry just so people could kind of like feel better, right? Like, I believe there's a real hell and people are going there and I want them to know about Jesus so they don't go there. I didn't spend hours this week going over a message just because I wanted to give you guys like a TED talk, 
right? Like there's a real hell. I want you guys to know the love of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus on the cross. There's a real hell. That's why I do this. I don't just play with lights and audio and technology and computers because, you know, just because I like technology, it's because I recognize there is a hell and I don't want people to go there. So I'm allowing God to use me any way that he wants to so that people won't go there. There is a real hell. Thorn Creek Church exists because there is a hell. We exist to transform self-sufficient people into Christ-driven people because there's a real hell. See, we don't just hold services on the weekend because we want to build community. We could build community all kinds of different ways, right? There's all kinds of groups that you can be a part of, right? But we recognize there's a hell. And so we come together and we talk about Jesus and we talk about the solution to hell. We don't just feed people every week through Food for Hope because, because people need to eat. It's because we recognize that God is our provider and we want people to know that he is that, that he has this God of love who provides all the time. We don't pour all of our resources into ministries like kids and teens and adults and small groups because we think we just need to create events for people to go to, right? We don't just have a game night just because we think it's, it's because there's a real hell. It's because we want to show people the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we do all of this. Hell is real. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to go there. That's the beautiful thing, right? The beautiful thing is you get to choose. God lets you choose because he's made a way that we don't have to go there. Through Jesus Christ on the cross. See, apart from Jesus, apart from Christ, hell is our destination. We get the fiery maggots who never die, right? But without the blood that Jesus poured out on the cross for each of us, hell is our destination. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. None of us are perfect. We all deserve that. But God has mercy on us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And he has grace for us. He gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us this, this reward and we can turn to Jesus and turn away from our sins and experience this, experience this salvation, this deliverance from hell. We can repent, right? It's called repentance. It's this idea of, of turning away like 180 degrees, like I'm going this way, I'm in my sin and I say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to repent. I'm not going to do that anymore, right? And that's what Jesus is kind of talking about here. He's talking about repentance and he's telling these disciples about repentance, how to stay out of hell, that, that it's, it's better to go into heaven with like being maimed than to go into hell and have all of your body parts. So turn to someone and tell them it's not worth it. Type it in the chat online. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So, so what did Jesus say to do? Right? He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Jesus is laying out these drastic measures to be taken to avoid sin. The sin that leads to hell. Cut off your foot. So I brought this. It's a nice rusty saw. So who wants to go first? Right? We just kind of... 
We'll all line up here, right? No, see, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus isn't saying take the saw and cut off your hand, right? He's not doing that, right? We all recognize that. Now, there were some early Christians in the early centuries after Christ. They thought that that's what he meant. And they mutilated themselves. And they found that, you know what? Without your right hand, your left hand can still sin, right? It's a heart issue. What Jesus is talking about is taking drastic measures, drastic measures to avoid sin, that we know that temptation is going to come, and so we want to avoid that at all possible. Jesus is talking in, in hyperbole, right? Hyperbole is, is this figure of speech that, that gives obvious exaggeration or an intentional overstatement. We have examples of this in our, in our modern language all the time, right? The, this bag of groceries weighs a ton, right? You know, I walked a million miles to get here, right? I, everybody knows that, right? And then, like, I'm going to get on my little grammar soapbox here really quick. Literally has become hyperbole in case you didn't know, because it was literally raining cats and dogs, or I literally, like, stop it. Literally means it actually happened, right? That's what literally means, right? It's not hyperbole. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't want us to mutilate our bodies. He doesn't want us to do that. But God takes sin seriously. He takes it very seriously. And that's what Jesus is really kind of trying to show the disciples, by, by going to this extreme, by saying, yeah, get, get the saw, and if, if your right hand causes you to sin, just cut it right on off. Just get it away from you. Because it's better. It's better to get into the kingdom of heaven without a hand than to enter into hell with the maggots and the fire with everything that you've got. It's drastic. Hear this. Whatever is causing you to sin, take drastic measures to get that thing out of your life. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that you need to mutilate yourself. He's saying, get it out of your life. If you have something that's causing you to sin, tempting you, you need to get rid of it. Remember, temptation is, is not sin, right? Temptation is not sin. Temptation leads to sin. But temptation itself is not sin. But unchecked, it will oftentimes lead to that sin. See, the reality is that we always are going to have to deal with temptation. But that's the thing. We need to deal with it. We can't just expect it to go away or imagine that it's not going to affect us. We need to deal with it. Martin Luther said it like this. I love this. He says, temptations, of course, cannot be avoided. But because we cannot prevent the birds from flying over our heads, there is no need that we should let them nest in our hair. Right? We can't, we can't get away from temptation, but we don't need to make a place for them to come. Right? We don't need to make a nest for those birds that are going to fly over. Reminds me of the seagulls we have out here. Have you seen the seagulls? I love animals, but I hate those seagulls. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think so. That there, there's a storage unit place across the street. And I don't know that this guy attends Thorn Creek Church. I hope he does. And then he'll be upset at me for telling the story. But when we first moved into this building, I noticed him feeding the seagulls. He would drop bread right over on the, on the sidewalk across from our door. And all these seagulls would come down, right? And, and so every morning he would do this. And so guess where all the seagulls would be right before he would do that? They are trained. They would line up over our door waiting for him. And then our deck had poop all over it. It was gross. And I was always afraid that they would poop on me as I came in, right? And so I asked our property manager, I'm like, can we do something, right? Can we do something, please? And finally, they put up some like, like spike strips up there. And now the seagulls don't, don't land up there, right? 
And that's what Jesus is talking about, right? Do something to avoid them landing, right? Like I can't stop the birds completely because he still feeds them. And God has a wonderful sense of humor about that because we just got a storage unit over there because we got to move some stuff. And we get the one which is down at the corner where he feeds the birds. (laughs) So I got to go down there where the birds are. So they might still poop on me, but they won't poop on me over the door, right? We took care of that. I, made, I took steps. I took drastic steps to make sure that the birds would not land. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what Martin Luther is saying, right? We can't avoid the temptation. They're going to be there, but let's not make a place for them to land. Let's not allow them to have room in our life. And it's an interesting thing that Jesus does, right? He points to the, the hand and the foot and the eye, right? It's, it's these different places, these things, right? And the, the hand are, are, are things that we do, right? The foot is, is places that we go. The eye is, is things that we look at and we think about and we ponder, right? He's really talking about us holistically, right? Like every part of us. We have all kinds of temptations that arise from the hand or the foot or the eye, right? We have to be aware of our relationships and our conversations, right? Be a little flirty, well, that could be dangerous. Being alone with someone of the opposite sex or, or being sarcastic, right? Being sarcastic, it's, it's oftentimes said, oh, I'm just being funny. But if you're anyone who is normally sarcastic, you know oftentimes you can just put a nice little rib in there and then, oh, it's just funny, right? There's a temptation there with doing those things. We have to be aware of the places we go. We go to parties, right? We go to birthday parties or New Year's Eve parties or, or whatever kind of party, right? There could be temptations there lingering for us, right? Or maybe we go out after work, friends, right? We're, we're all coworkers and we're going to go out and maybe there's drinks there and there, there could be some temptation there, right? Like our feet are going to take us to places that could put us in situations that we don't want to be in. We could be hanging out with, maybe we have friends or we're hanging out with people that don't have the same beliefs as us. They don't have the same moral values or they don't believe in Jesus the same way. Well, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna do things that might be temptations for us, right? We have, we have to be aware of what we're looking at. We have to be aware of what we're looking at, whether it's TV shows or movies or, or books or even what we're ingesting in music, right? Like, have you ever considered and recognized when something affects you negatively? Right? Like I used to, in my teens and in my 20s, I used to, I would cuss a lot. Like profanity was just part of my language. I used it like adjectives to just spice things up, I thought, you know. And I was, I was around people. That's just how we spoke. That's what we did. It was, it was no big deal. And we listened to music that was like that. And we, you know, watched TV shows that were like that. And we went to movies that were like that, right? And then I, I, I recommitted my life to Christ. And I recognized like Jesus is like, that's not edifying language, It's not language I want you to have, right? It wasn't something that's pleasing to God. So I I started cutting that stuff out of my life. And and so praise be to God. I I really, I don't cuss anymore. And I'm thankful for that. But what I've recognized is that sometimes I watch TV shows that have a lot of cussing in it, right? And I think, you know what? I'm a big boy. I can just ignore it. You know, I'll be okay, right? But then I binge like three episodes in one night. And the next day, someone cuts me off. And like, here comes that word in my mind, right? (laughs) here come those words I just listened to for like three hours last night, right? Here they are. And they want to like bubble up to the top, right? Those things, like it affects me. And so like Jesus is saying, don't you recognize those kind of things can get in your way and lead you to sin. So be drastic, get the saw out and cut it off, right? Like that TV show is probably not 
that big of a deal. Like if I just didn't watch it, right? I'm not missing out on that much, you know? People can tell me about the good parts that didn't have cussing in it or whatever, right? We convince ourselves that these little things, they won't affect us, that they're not that big of a deal. Like, like I'm a big boy. I can, I can ignore the cussing. It'll be okay. We, we convince ourselves that we have control over ourselves, that even if we put ourselves in these positions, it's not going to be a big deal, right? Like that I can, I can, I can manage this. It's not, it's not a big deal. We convince ourselves that it's totally worth it, Right? Like, I deserve this. Like, I'm a pretty good person most of the time. Like, I do all kinds of good things. So I can, kind of, I can have this one little vice, right? It's okay. Like, we convince ourselves of these. We justify it in our minds that, like, I can go ahead and do this. We convince ourselves that there's really no big issue with it, right? Jesus gives us grace. Upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Praise the Lord. Right? But that just means that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I can just kind of do whatever I want. Like, I've got my golden ticket. I said the prayer. And so I get into heaven. And so the rest of my life really doesn't matter. And it's okay. We convince ourselves that we can do that. And Jesus is saying, no, no, get the saw and take drastic measures to not sin. Take drastic measures to avoid hell. Because the reality is, if, if you say you've got your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him and you say, I believe him, we're not just talking about like an intellectual belief. Like, I know a fact, right? I believe that sharks can swim really fast. Well, that doesn't really change my life anything, right? I mean, like, I live on land. I'm not too concerned with how fast they swim, right? But if I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, if I believe that there's a real hell, and I believe that, that he says, follow me. He says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. He says, deny yourself. He says, don't be selfish. Be selfless. Serve one another. Love one another. If he says all those things and I really believe him, then I should be wanting to change my life and do what he says, right? So we're not going to make cheap grace. We're not going to just say, well, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to convince ourselves that it doesn't matter. We're going we're gonna to get serious about it. You get serious about what can tempt us and what can't. And see, then what happens is we think about all this reward, right? When we think about Jesus, there's great reward. We get to spend the rest of eternity in heaven. Praise the Lord. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. You know what? You know what's really cool? God paves the streets with gold in heaven, right? I was talking with someone about money. And I was like, you know what? My father, he, he uses gold for streets. It's cool. Like he's got us taken care of, right? Like that's where we're going to go. That's the reward. But what Jesus is doing is he's fixing this big misunderstanding on the part of the disciples. See, they thought of the kingdom mainly in these terms of rewards, right? They're following Jesus. They believe he's the Messiah. They believe he's going to usher in this new kingdom. They see all the rewards. In fact, right before this, before Jesus starts teaching them, they're like arguing on the road about who's going to be the greatest, like, who's going to be Jesus' like, right-hand man in heaven, right? Like, we've been all hanging out, like Peter and James and John. They went up to the mountain, and they're kind of his inner circle. But then, and then there's going to be me. I'm going to be like a general, and then you could be like a corporal. And like, like we're, we're like figuring all this out, right? They're thinking about the reward. But Jesus tells them it's about terms of sacrifice. Like, it's sacrifice. Do what you need to do to avoid sin. Give it up. If you need to get rid of a hand, right? If you, need to, if you need to be as drastic as that in your life to make a serious change, then do it because it's worth it. 
Jesus says it's worth it. It's worth it to enter into heaven without those things, to sacrifice those things, than to enter into hell with them. Essentially, Jesus just restates what Mark recorded in, eight, in chapter 8, verse 34 and 35, that if we want to try to save our lives, we have to lose our lives. He says, pick up our cross and follow him daily. See, the reward, the salvation only means something if we know what we're being saved from. And Jesus' kingdom is an upside down, inside out kind of kingdom, right? If you want to be first, be last. If you want to know what it's like uh, to, to, to experience God's love, love other people, right? He, he tells us to these, if, if you want to be my follower, then die to yourself every day. Upside down, inside out. You must serve everyone else to be great. You lose your life and then you'll gain it. You got to pick up your cross. The message of Jesus was clear. Knowing how terrible hell is, it is worth any sacrifice to avoid it. See, and, and therefore, we, we can't think of the kingdom of God in just the context of reward. We can't just think about heaven, but we have to think about the, it in terms of sacrifice. That I'm, it's so good that I'm willing to give up, that I'm willing to sacrifice. What you are willing to sacrifice is just as important as the reward you see, receive. What you give up is just as important as what you get, right? Nobody's ever watched a documentary, Right? It was like, they gave up nothing to be the best, right? Like, that's not how it works, right? There's sacrifice that happens, right? Like, like that's how we get to that great reward. I found this quote from uh, Rhonda Rousey. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a UFC uh, fighter. She's amazing. I would never want to meet her in a dark alley. I'll tell you what, you know, like, yes, ma'am. And I'll just step aside. But she says, most people focus on the wrong thing. They focus on the result, not the process. The process is the sacrifice. It's all, it's all the hard parts, the sweat, the pain, the tears, the losses. You make the sacrifices anyway. You learn to enjoy them or at least embrace them. In the end, it is the sacrifice that you, that must fulfill you, right? Here's the risk of the watered-down, non-hell-believing Christian faith. There's nothing to be saved from. There's nothing to be saved from. There's no reason to sacrifice if there is no hell. Like, it's, if your parents asked you, would you like to go to Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen or Baskin-Robbins, right? Like, is, is, either way, it's an okay choice, right? If there is no hell then there's no need for salvation. There's no risk. Jesus' death doesn't mean much. His commands to us then don't mean much. We can do whatever we want because all you're looking at is that reward. Jesus didn't die and defeat death so that you would remain the same. He did it so that you would see the power and authority he has over life and death over sin and righteousness, to be transformed by the saving power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because hell is real. Because he doesn't want us to go there either. It's not God's plan for us to go to hell. It's not his plan for us to be separated from him completely and to be in this place of maggots and fire. That's not his desire. His desire is for us to be with him. And he says it's worth it. It's worth it. You can see this illustrated in Moses' life. 
Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, it says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. See, Moses gave up status and position because the sacrifice was worth it, because the reward was worth it, because he knew that staying for that stuff was not worth it. He chose oppression. He sacrificed. He gave up the passing pleasures of sin. He sacrificed. He thought it was better to suffer for Christ. He valued the favor of God more than money he sacrificed. He had the ability to look ahead and see what was coming. Even though it says he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Like he never saw Christ, but he knew that the sacrifice was worth it. See, the pleasures of sin are fleeting. They're passing by. They don't last. They're not Worth it. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. This is why Paul uh, talks about being a slave to sin, right? When we have sin in our lives, we're a slave to it. This is why it's not worth it. Because what happens is, is you sin, right? And then you have some pleasure out of that sin. And that pleasure doesn't last very long. So then you realize, well, I, I, need, to, I need to do it again, so then you, you go and sin again and, and, and you receive that pleasure. That pleasure isn't quite as good as the first time. It doesn't last quite as long. And so then you recognize you, you need to do it again and, and toss in some conviction, right? And some, feel some, some guilt and some shame. So then you decide, well, I'm going to sin even bigger because that'll give me a better pleasure, longer lasting, and it'll kind of cover over some of that, that guilt and that shame that I have, right? And, and, and then, and then you, you recognize, well, well, that didn't last very long and I, I better do it again. And then you just lather, rinse, and repeat, right? You just keep going because you're now a slave to that sin, you know, just like we thought we could convince ourselves that we can control this. It's not that big of a deal. I can watch whatever I want to watch. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. But we become a slave to that sin. And so Jesus says constantly, like, right? He's saying, cut it off. If it's, if it's too much, if that temptation is there, it's not worth it. Go ahead, get the saw out and cut it off. Make drastic changes. We need to rethink the reward and the sacrifice. We need to be okay with the sacrifice, okay with giving it up. See, they're tied together, but they're not dependent upon each other, right? I want you to hear this. It is grace. Jesus died for our sins, and he freely gives us the gift of grace. You don't earn it. You can't earn it. He gives it. It's undeserved, but you get it anyways, right? All of that is there, but he doesn't give it so that you can stay the same. His desire is that you change. His desire is that you get pulled out of the world of sin. That you, that you make choices to follow him. Like Jesus made it very clear throughout his whole ministry. That he wants us to be holy just as God is holy. He wants us to live a righteous life. So he says, if your hand tempts you to sin, causes you to sin, then cut it off. 
See, we can't do both. We can't, we can't choose to follow Jesus and then still remain in the world. It's, it's like if you're on a trail, right? And, and this trail starts to fork and it's got this like really small degree of, of, of fork, right? And, and so like if you're there, well, you could kind of like one leg here and one leg there and then one leg here, but it, it's going to start spreading, right? And then one leg here and you're like in both of them. And eventually, right, like you have to stop because it's going to hurt, right? You can't do both. Your legs are splitting. Like at some point you have to pick one or the other. Like I'm either going to go this way and this way is really nice. This way is really nice. It's all downhill. There's not a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it's just, it's breezy. Now, I mean, at the end, there's a lot of muck and mire and thorns and it's painful and that, but this is easy right now. So it's worth it. Right. Or we go on this one where it's like uphill and it hurts and it's hard. It's harder than that path. And I have to sacrifice and, and I probably drink all my water. But at the end, there's like this beautiful waterfall and like a valley full of just abundant life, right? That's the choice that we have before us, right? And, and Jesus is saying, pick, pick that other one. Sacrifice for the reward. Change. Because we can't do both. I love how A.W. Tozer said it. He said, the pain of sacrificing our old selves is nothing compared to the joy of Christ living in us in our transformed lives. You hear that? Like that pain that you experience when you sacrifice, because there is pain, right? It's, not, it's called sacrifice. It's not called easy do it, right? <laughs> There's something that you give up that you don't want to give up. Is that fleeting pleasure? But that pain is worth it for the experience, for the, for, the, for the joy of Christ living in us because we will have transformed lives. So we cut off those things. And then Hebrews says, just throw them off, right? I love how it says in, in chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Throw it off. Cut it off. Get rid of it. The sin that so easily entangles. Turn to someone and tell them it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Type it in the chat. It's not worth it. All right, now I got a big sign to throw up. Caution, danger ahead. Temptation and sin is lurking around every single corner, right? We talked about those birds. They're always there. In fact, in 1 Peter, uh, he tells us, he says, be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is the enemy's strategy, right? His, his strategy is not like really big sins. His strategy is not like to just like knock you off the horse, Right? Because, because if that happens, there's usually people who recognize, there's people around you. Though. But his strategy is like the small, little, daily things. Just inch by inch. Inch by inch. You guys noticed that like, I'm not in the center of the stage anymore? Right? Like I'm not just being weird, like it's intentional. <laughs> but did you notice that? How long did it take you to notice before, before I was, like, you're like, hey, he's, he's moving? Right? Did you, did you know why I was doing it? 
You just thought I'm, I'm moving? Would you have said anything if I like ended up over here like almost falling off? Like would you be like, Pastor Jeremy, stop! You don't realize what you're doing! <laughs> There's an edge! Because I could fall and like twist my ankle, right? <laughs> Did you think it was a big deal at first? Like I moved a couple inches, right? And I was just over here. It wasn't a big deal, right? Like this is the enemy's strategy. Inch by inch, every day, just a little bit. Just a little bit, every day. This is the true danger because that temptation is there in small ways that may seem insignificant, but each are leading to a destination. Every action, every thought we have, every place that we go, every circumstance we put ourselves in has the potential to bring us closer to God or farther away from God. Every single one, right? It's the thought of hatred that we have for the person who walked in front of us. It's the, the five miles per hour over the speed limit that you go because just, just because everybody else is doing it. It's the look at that post that isn't technically pornography, but it still heightens the senses, right? It's the comment made to put someone in their place, right? Because they were wrong and I was right. It's the choice that you make to unfriend that person on social media because they hurt you. You don't want to work through it. You don't want to talk about it, but you're just like, you're, 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 you're dead to me. I'm unfriending you. It's the choice to not tithe because God doesn't really need my money. I don't need to, I don't need to honor him with that. It's okay. We can convince ourselves of this. It's the lie that you tell that you're busy when you really just didn't want to help him move, right? Inch by inch, every day. It's the prayer request that you share because you want to gossip about the decision someone made. It's the anger that you let loose at home because you know what? Your spouse and your kids should know that you're under a lot of stress. It's not, it's not your fault. Like, it's okay to just, it's, I can let loose there. Like, I've held it in all day. It's the show that you love to watch. But you don't tell anybody that you watch it because you probably shouldn't watch it. It's the humble brag post that you put out there on social media to show everybody how great you are because you love to donate things and help other people, right? There's all these things that we have that can just inch us away, inch us away, inch us away from God. And what's, what's, what's apart from God? Hell. It's inching us away because we don't choose to, to turn and follow Jesus and, and to do what he says when he says, he says, you know, deny yourself. Love one another. Love your enemies. That one's hard, right? I don't really have to do that one, right? Like if I do all the rest, I can just not do that one, right? These are the things that we have to cut off. These are the things that we have to recognize in ourselves like when we want to lie or when we want to put someone in their place or we want to have a look at that post, we, we recognize we need to cut it off. We need to take drastic measures. Maybe it means, you know what? I'm going to not have that app on my phone anymore. Maybe it means I'm not going to have one of those kind of, I'm not going to have a smartphone. I'm just going to have a dumb phone. Get your Nokia back out, right? That thing's still alive. You know it is. If you've got one in your drawer, it'll work, right? Take drastic measures, right? Maybe, maybe it means you're, you're giving someone access to all of your apps, right? And you just say, hey, look through anytime you want and you can just call me out on it 
That's cool. Right? Make drastic choices, drastic changes to keep that stuff away because what did you tell the person next to you? It's not worth it, right? It's not worth it. The sin is not worth it. The look is not worth it. The pleasure, it's not worth it. The road that you're going down is not worth it. The gossip, it's not worth it. The lie is not worth it. The relationship, it's not worth it. See, we think about the reward and we recognize the sacrifice. I'm going to end in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says it beautifully. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Cut it off. Gouge it out. Turn it off. Uninstall it. Whatever it has to be. Don't slip back into those ways. You didn't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. God is a holy God. What does that mean, he's a holy God? It means that, that he cannot be around sin. That's why there's a hell. Like the worst part of hell, it's not the maggots, it's not the fire, it's that there's no God. You are completely separated from his love and his grace. I mean, even people right now in this world, if they don't believe in Jesus, they still experience the blessings of God, right? The sun rises on the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends rains for everyone. Like you experience the love of God, but when you're in hell, that's not there. Completely separated. And that's because God is holy. And God calls us to be holy as well, to follow him. Now, does that mean we have to be perfect? Does that mean we're never going to mess up? No. But it means that we don't make grace cheap. Paul was telling the Romans, he's like, you know, we got all this grace. So does that mean like, like we should just keep on sinning? So that like there's even more grace? He's like, no, don't do that. Live for Christ, deny yourself, pick up your cross. Give yourself completely to Jesus and let the power of the Holy Spirit transform you and change you. And you'll recognize that you, you no longer have that anger if you give it to God. You'll no longer have that bitterness or that resentment if you give it to God and you experience his forgiveness and you follow him completely, 100%. And you say, God, I'm willing to sacrifice anything. sacrifice the fleeting pleasures of this world and look toward the reward that is found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your love and for your grace. God, I thank you that you're a holy God. I thank you that you've made a way that we don't have to be separated from you. I thank you for your word, God, that speaks to us, that, that fills our heart with, with joy and with truth, and you convict, and you raise us up and lift us up.
that you make us whiter than snow. If you're here tonight and, and you're far from God, you haven't been following Jesus, you recognize that maybe, maybe there's a hand that needs to be cut off or that you just, you haven't even been living for him and you recognize like, I don't want to go to hell. I want to live with Jesus and I want to live for Jesus. Then just say this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I surrender everything and I will sacrifice anything because I just need you. I'm sorry that I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. Wash me clean. Cleanse my heart. Start that process to change me every single day to be more like you. Jesus, have your way. God, we thank you for your love and your grace. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.